Welcome to the New Life Ministries podcast. This morning's teaching is on Romans 15. Let's read together. We who are strong ought to put up with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us must please our neighbor for the good purpose of building up the neighbor. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, so that by steadfastness and by the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another, in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, Therefore, I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, on some points I have written to you rather boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to boast of my work for God. For I will not be so bold as to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to win obedience from the Gentiles, by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and as far around as Illyricum I have fully proclaimed the good news of Christ. Thus I make it my ambition to proclaim the good news, not where Christ has already been named, so that I do not build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him shall see, and those who have never heard of him shall understand. This is the reason that I have so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, with no further place for me in these regions, I desire, as I have for many years, to come to you when I go to Spain. For I do hope to see you on my journey, and to be sent on by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a little while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem in a ministry to the saints, for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to share their resources with the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do this, and indeed they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material things. So when I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will set out by way of you to Spain, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. 
I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in earnest prayer to God on my behalf, that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my ministry to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. The God of peace be with all of you. Amen. Now let's join our guest speaker, Mark Henkelman, as we look at Romans 15. So, uh, last time I was here, uh, it's been, I guess this is about a month. Last time I was here was the morning after the first night in the new house. Um, and so now the, the number of boxes in, in any given room has decreased substantially post move but is still not zero um where our living room family room area is feeling pretty normal uh my office and the den are kind of just a mountain of boxes still it's hard right now um it's hard right now for me to focus on anything other than unpacking we took a bunch of vacation around the move and I feel like I should have taken more vacation to have more time to do the house setup stuff because my brain is having a real hard time getting back in gear to do work and, and other life. I'm like I've, I've got to get some stuff on the, the garage done and painted and I've got to do a bit of grading on the foundation on the one side and I've, Got, you know, I've got my laundry list of things that need doing, you know, from the functional and practical to like doing the, the more like making it feel like home stuff of like patching old holes and painting and putting up our pic more of our pictures and more of our art. Um, but it is good the house is starting to feel more like our home, which is fun. Um, but my my reason for telling that is not just just to update you on kind of where I've been the last month, but also because I feel like that's where Paul has been in Romans is unpacking. He he spent the first chunk of Romans unpacking the gospel. You know, chapters one through eleven is opening the box of what is the gospel and looking at everything in there and, you know, kind of setting up the house of the gospel, if you will, of what is it that we as Christians live in? The light of the fact that Jesus came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died so that we did not have to and so that we could know God, that he enabled us to have relationship with God by his act on the cross, that he redeemed us and that he gave us his righteousness and perfection as fully God, that he covered us in that. And Paul goes into so much more beauty and depth. And, I, and it's, it's been fun for me getting to kind of do a bit more than just, you know, the one and then, you know, see you in a year kind of thing and getting to actually do you know, this is now, I think, number four with you in Romans. And it was, and last week I was actually preaching at, an, at a friend's church in Steinbach, and they're going through Acts. Um, and so they're actually just starting the second half of Acts, like this Sunday, where they talk about the life of Paul. 
and they talk about Paul's missionary journeys. And so it was fun for me to get to spend more time with Paul and, and with Romans there, kind of unpacking more of what, what was so important to Paul. And last time I was here and the time just before that, we had looked at what it means. That was, so you've built this house and unpacked this house of the gospel, Paul. What it, and then Paul says, okay, so now how do you live in it? How do you live in this house? And then Curtis asked if I could fill in this week. And he said, yeah, and we're in chapter 15 now. And I thought, great, I'm excited to keep unpacking. And yeah, there's... We're kind of, it, I, well, spoilers, we're not actually done unpacking, but it, I, I started reading chapter 15 to refresh and kind of went, well, like, we're done. Like, I, so I grew up a pastor's kid. I grew up, um, which means that I grew up hearing a lot of sermons, um, you know, when I, when I was a kid, church was still every, every Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And so, you know, being the pastor's kid, there was like the kind of front side spot that we always sat as a family. Um, and I remember, you know, spending a lot of time drawing and, you know, doing activities and stuff while listening to the sermon, especially Sunday evenings when there was no, you know, nurse or Sunday school or anything. And I, I can still remember my dad's like conclusion voice when he would preach these, the kind of, and, and you, you get it in, you know, you know, you'll probably recognize it in Curtis as he's talking. There's a moment where you're like, all right, I can kind of, I can probably, you know, close my Bible now and I can, you know, or maybe close my notebook and, you know, kind of start getting ready to stand up and stretch after, Afterwards, there's this moment where, like, the speaker is, like, wrapping things up. And that's what 15, that the first half of 15 feels like. 15, the first half of chapter 15 of Romans is Paul kind of wrapping up a lot of Romans. And so you read it, and I, I chuckle because it feels like he ends the book of Romans, like, four times in chapter 15 and, and and there's you know there's the in verse it's first one is like he gives a great benediction that would be a great end to the whole sermon in verse five you know may the god of endurance and encourage or steadfastness or patience and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with christ jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It, it's a great benediction. And so you can say, okay, we're good, we're done. And then he keeps going. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. And then he goes on and he continues on for another from 8 to 13. And then 13, he gives another great benediction of may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And you're like, okay, that's another great end. We should be done the sermon now. And I bet you when, so this was a letter that was written by Paul and then probably carried on a mix of, you know, in the mix of bag and pack, by foot, by boat, 
to, to the church in Rome by, by animal, by cart, and then got there, and then it would have been the sermon. They would have sat down as a church. They would have gotten together. They would have passed it from home to home to as they needed to, and they would have read the letter out loud. And, and in these moments, the probably the first century equivalence of, all right, we can start packing up our notes. And then Paul goes on, and he does church announcements. From, from the rest of, of chapter 15, from like verses 14 to the end, Paul is kind of doing church announcements. So, so this week we've got a baptism class up, and uh, next week we're going to be going out to Gimli, and uh, make sure you connect with each other about rides, and there's going to be a potluck, and Paul switches gears to do the church announcements, which I think one is a good biblical reason why we should probably do church announcements every Sunday, because if Paul did it, it's probably not a bad idea. But I, I had the big why question of why on earth, you know, scripture is this, it, we believe is divinely inspired, that it is the word of God. And, and so it's sometimes hard to, like, it's easy to kind of forget that when you read church announcements. And, and I know maybe you're like me in that when you're reading genealogies or the ends of Paul's letters where he's giving announcements, it's easy to skim them because you're like, I've gotten through the unpacking stuff. I've gotten through all the meat that was the rest of the book. And now this is just, I don't know, some like holdover that's, that's part, that, that's just tacked on. And we just kind of, it's like the append, it's like our literal appendix. Like, it's like, we don't really know why it's there, but it's there. And, and we'll just kind of just gloss over it. And so my prayer this week was, God, why, why do you say that church announcements are your divinely inspired word for us today? Why do you say that Paul talking about where he's going and what he's planning on doing and all of this stuff, why is that important enough to be counted in your scriptures? And so I started studying and and doing some reading and commentators often talk about the historicity of scripture. And so on one hand, they were, when they're talking about you know, when Paul is going on and he's talking about that he plans to visit Rome, but he's planning, he has to go to Jerusalem first, and he's talking about the church in Macedonia and Achaia, um, or when he talks about his, his travel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, you're like, okay, we now know kind of when in history, and we can place that this was sometime in the 50s, not the 1950s or the 1850s, but just the 50s. That this, you know, we can place in history when this book was written, and we can trace it, and it helps us know that this, that scripture is true. Right? We can, so a lot of commentators say that's kind of a lot of the reason why we get these chunks of scripture that are kind of you know, announcements. They're, they're the laundry list stuff. They're the, the functional stuff of church communication in life. 
But I think it's more than that. And especially in chapter 15, it is most definitely more than that. It's not just so that we know that Paul was a real person who really traveled and shared the gospel. It's not just so that we know that, but it's also so that we know that not only was he a real person, but he was a real person who lived out what he taught. I think oftentimes in our, in our faith, it's easy, you know, the, the cliche that I always heard growing up was to be a Sunday Christian, where that was the, the, the terminology that, that got used by every youth pastor I, I, you know, would listen to was that you're, you come to church on a Sunday, but it doesn't impact your life outside of Sunday. Or that we come to, we come to church and faith, um, you know, the, the no atheists in a foxhole is the other common phrase you hear, right? That when, when things get tough in life, we come to, we come to God and we, we cling to faith and we cling to, to Jesus. But the rest of the time, I'm good to do whatever, whatever floats my boat. You know, I'm, I'm good to go and, and be and do as I please. So long as I, you know, touch base with church every Sunday and make sure that I'm, I'm doing enough good stuff. But as we've learned, and as we've talked about through Romans, that the doing enough good stuff does, thing doesn't really equal actual Christian life. That doesn't really, that isn't the gospel. We never can do enough good stuff. We never can be righteous enough. We can never be good enough. And so this coming and checking in every Sunday thing, or, you know, the like, well, life's real hard right now, so I'll, I'll go to church and get my, like, you know, it's like going to the doctor and getting like a vitamin B shot or something. You know, it's like I'm going to get like the, the vitamin J shot. Sorry, that was a really bad one. That was, I'm sorry for that. That's like the dad joke side of me coming out. But that there is that kind of idea. But what Paul shows us here is that he, he doesn't see faith that way. His whole life was living out what he modeled, what he, te- what he taught. He's modeling for us as an example. You know, I think about my kids and the number of times when, you know, there's a tense moment in the family or whatever, and one of my, my, five, my five-year-old or my seven-year-old will say some phrase, and, and for those of you who have kids, you will know exactly what I'm talking about when your kid basically parrots back your, your exact wording that you would have said to them if they were in the emotional state you were in. The like, you know, why don't you just have, like when your five-year-old says like, you know, why don't you just take a moment to breathe, dad? And you're like, son, that is, hmm. <laughs> but there's that, that modeling that comes with being a parent. Right? And Paul is doing that for us here. And so he's not, just, he's not just telling us kind of the functions of life of the church, but he's modeling for us what he has been teaching us. And, and it's an, a good challenge and encouragement to us. I, I like in, 
he switches in 14 to this kind of announcement stage of, of Romans. And he says, I myself feel confident about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Nevertheless, on some points, I have written you rather boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given to me by God. Paul starts actually functionally encouraging. I mean, when you read Romans and when, I don't know if Curtis brought it up last week, but in chapter 14, he calls a good chunk of the church weak. He, when he's talking to this, this, this tension in this, in this church in Rome where half the people were, were culturally Jewish and Christian, and the other half were culturally Roman and Christian. And there was that fight over, you know, well, the, the Jewish Christians were saying you couldn't eat this stuff because that was part of their culture, culture and heritage. And the Roman Christians were saying, well, no, that's, that's totally fine. It's not a thing. And, and Paul was calling a chunk of them weak. And, and here he's saying, but you guys are doing great. This is kind of like... You're like, this doesn't follow. But what Paul is saying here is he says, you know, I've, I've talked boldly to you about this stuff because this is the important stuff. You guys actually are doing a great job as a church. And I really want to encourage you. But I also need you to know the core stuff. I need you to know the really important stuff that, that you're you can't be strapping all this stuff to the good news that you don't have to do it on your own, that you, the good news that you can't make yourself right enough for God. I mean, you don't strap stuff to that. You know, he gets into it and then he talks. It almost sounds arrogant. It, or it almost sounds like cocky. Like he's, he's, he talks about, nevertheless, on some points, I have written you rather boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to boast of my work for God. You're like, what's you know, didn't he just talk in chapter 12 about being humble? But then he puts it in context. For I will not be so bold as to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to win obedience from the Gentiles by word and deed. Uh, just to clarify, Gentiles means the Roman Christians. Gentile is like the generic term for like, you weren't a Jewish person. It was like... We're Gentiles here. Um, but Paul was saying, like, I'm going to boast because God is doing stuff in and through me. And when we looked at Romans 12, we saw that picture of, of Paul was saying, because of the grace we've, we've gotten from God, that's where we live our life. We don't do it to save ourselves. We do it... Uh, as like this, as a response to, to what God has done. And so I'm going to boast about the things that God is doing in my life. 
And he goes on and he does. And he says, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit. He talks about this thing of where he ought, like, that it's God doing all of this stuff through him. And I, I think back a lot to chapter 12, where he talked about the starting of how do you live life as a Christian in the light of what God has done. And he talked about being presenting your whole self as an acceptable sacrifice, you know, giving, giving your whole life to God because really God knows best. And that out of that, we live our lives. And so here he's saying, you know, God has given me grace. He's, he saved me. And look at all the, all the ways that he has blessed me. And now I get to tell you about what God has done. And I'm going to keep doing it because it's so good. I'm going to go from Jerusalem to Illyricum telling you about all the stuff that God has done. And, I, I, you know, you can, if you have a study Bible, you might have in the back of your Bible, you know, some, some maps that have like paths where that was when I was a little kid in church, I would spend a lot of the time at my Bible was looking at the maps at the back and stuff um, of, of Paul's missionary journeys. Um, and so I was curious. And so I looked up one of those maps and then I realized that Illyricum was like a, was a, was a, was a province of the Roman empire. So it was like Manitoba, the Manitoba of Canada. Illyricum was, was, a province of the Roman Empire. And the southern kind of edge of it was now, if you actually like look it up on a map, it's, it's Montenegro and Bosnia, Herzegovina and Croatia and kind of gets up to the edge of Greece. And, and so I, I pulled that up on Google Maps to just kind of see the lay of the land. And, and just out of curiosity, like you know how you can put directions into Google Maps? So I put in Jerusalem and, and I put in like the southern border of, of Illyricum. Uh, it's about 3,000 kilometers. Um, and that, so that's for, for, for perspective, here to Vancouver is about like 23, 2400 kilometers. And that's, that's, not, that's not if you take like a boat across the Mediterranean, if you kind of actually go around by land. Um, and you know how Google Maps, like for those of you who, who use Google Maps, there's like options, you know, you can select how you're gonna travel by car, by bus, you know, and it'll give you like the Winnipeg transit routes and, and you can do, by, you can do by, by walk, which is useful if you're like, how long is it gonna take me to walk home, you know, from this meeting or that meeting or, you know, from here to there. But it's a, it's a different, I've never done it when the scale is 3,000 kilometers, thinking about how Paul would have traveled. And so Google uh, informed me that it would probably be about a 628-hour journey uh, by foot, <laughs> just something like 21 days. Like that's not like, that's like 21, 24-hour periods of days, which is actually more like if you think about walking for eight hours a day, it's like 200 and some days of walking. And so he probably took some boats at points, which may have shortened that up. 
But he also never went just straight from, from his journey from Jerusalem to Illyricum was not just a straight line of, I need to get from point A to point B. He was visiting all of these churches and places along the way because he wanted to share Jesus with everyone. And so when you see him talking about living life in the light of the gospel, it gives perspective that he spent his whole life, like I don't even want to think about what his feet literally looked like. Like I don't want to think about the layers of calluses and just what those toenails looked like from the thousands of kilometers that he walked because he felt it was so important that people know the gospel. And, and I love that he does it, and he, when he's talking about things, it seems at first like he's bragging, but when it turn, he turns it around and says, this is all stuff that God has done to and through me, and you realize that he's actually modeling that humility that he talked about. And he talks about by the power of the Spirit. He talks about how he's been gifted, that he's not doing this stuff because he's some just natural, like, wonder kid. Or for those of us, to, to, the Wunderkind, to be German, extra German. He's doing it by the, by the gifts God has given, like what he was talking about back a few chapters when he said, you know, as, as Christians, we are gifted. We are given gifts to do this Christian life. He's saying that I have been doing that. And then as he goes on, he, so he models this, this Christian life as he talks about the importance of the gospel. And then he models what it, again, what it looks like to interact with each other. And he puts it in that context of of community again. This whole book of Romans is, is kind of dealing with this, this Jewish-Roman tension. And, you know, chapter 14, he was dealing with it again. In the beginning of chapter 15, he's dealing with this again, this Jewish-Roman tension thing. And here, he talks about, and like, I want to come visit you in Rome. And he was probably actually writing this from... Uh, the best, you know, we don't know for sure, but probably there's a good chance he was writing Romans in the city of Corinth, which is a lot closer to Rome geographically than Jerusalem. And so he's saying, you know, or I'm sorry, I'm going to mentally reverse the map. So, so here's Rome kind of in the middle of the boot of Italy on Google Maps. Here's Jerusalem, and you've got the, the Mediterranean Sea. And, and Corinth is kind of like here-ish on like a peninsula at the bottom of like Greece. So here to here is not here to here. But he's saying, I'm really hoping I can get to see you guys. But first, I'm here and I'm going to go all the way back over here. And I'm going to stop at the church in Macedonia and in Achaia and to pick up some stuff, to take to Jerusalem, and then I'm hoping to come all the way back up and around, which past Illyricum, that 3,000 kilometers, past that again, to Rome, to continue on to what is modern-day Spain and Portugal, when he says Spain. So he's, he's laying out this, like, multi-multi-thousand-kilometer, like, 
itinerary he's got. And so you just think about the time frames of doing this in feet, like by foot, you know, in literal feet. Um, and he's, as he's talking about all of this, though, the thing that struck me that I had never thought about was when he's saying in verse 26, For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to share their resources with the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do this, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material things. The thing that, the thing that I kind of hadn't really grasped, we, Christianity is really sent in a lot of our history and, our, and the teaching and stuff, and when you read in Scripture, it's a, lot of, a lot is centered around Jerusalem. And so we tend to think of Jerusalem as a pretty important and central thing. But back then, Jerusalem was in a Roman province called Judea, which was actually occupied territory that the Roman emperor, Empire had conquered. And it was living, they were living not nearly as, as well as the people in actual Rome and in actual like full, full blown Roman provinces. So the thing I didn't, don't think it ever really sunk in for me was that the story of the early church was in a, was in the West end of Winnipeg, not in the, the Sage Creek of Winnipeg. You know, the, the story of, of the early church was not in the, the high-end neighborhoods or the, the powerful, wealthy place in the Roman Empire. It was in the kind of the, the podunk nowhere of the Roman Empire. But that from that lowly place was where God chose to start working to share the gospel, and he brought it to the, the whole world from that place. And so you have this story of these people who are in Roman cities that are much more well-to-do now saying, well, we've been blessed by this good news, by the gospel. We've gotten this good news. Now we need to turn around and help and support our community, this community of believers, even when they're not as well off. And I can't help but think, like, the story this morning of, of your 300 people in, that you fed in Pakistan right now. And, and though this, here's where I'm, this might sound like Paul, I, this might sound like I'm boasting, but this is, this is a God moment that I want to share. Of this morning as I was grabbing my stuff at my desk... I had $50 cash sitting on my desk. I almost never carry cash anymore and almost never have cash. But I had, I've had $50 sitting on my desk for a while. And for whatever, well, we know what reason, that the Holy Spirit pointed the cash out to me in, in the moment this morning when I was grabbing my, my stuff to come to church. He pointed out that $50 to me that I had seen for the last several weeks sitting on my desk 
And it was just this compulsion that, oh, I should put that in my wallet. And then to get to church and find out that there's a Western Union order going to be going to you in Pakistan, that it's, God wants you to have that $50. And so I don't know what he's got in store for it, but he's got $50 coming for you. And that was his intention. And I'm just excited that I got to be obedient to that this morning and be a part of what God is doing in Pakistan. And I know that the story of new life connected to Pakistan is, is what Paul is talking about here, that there is, that you provide spiritual blessings to us. And so we get to be of material blessing to you when we can. And it was, it was exciting for me to, to see that in scripture here and to see that moment played out with the $50. And I praise God right now because he is good and he is working in, in my heart right now and in Pakistan. And so there's a lot more we could, we could pull out but one, one last thought about this idea of, of being connected as, as believers across cultures that I think is important for us to remember and that Paul has talked about throughout this book of Romans when he talks about this Gentile and, and Jewish connection here. He talks about how important it is that the gospel is for everyone. <clears throat> and I think one of the real reasons is that we really need each other to stay on gospel so that we don't start strapping too much to the gospel that from our cultures. In, in Rome, you had Jewish Christians who were bringing their cultural stuff to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus. And they were saying, yeah, it's great news about Jesus. Now just, you need to obey these dietary requirements. Two, that's that, if you wanna be a good Christian, you need to do this. And Paul was saying, no, <clears throat> that is not part of the gospel. And he used the Gentiles, the Roman Christians from their Roman culture to remind the Jewish Christians of that truth. The interesting thing is he's writing this likely in Corinth, and if you read in Corinthians, there was another issue between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians in Corinth around eating food again, but it was different. In the, in the Corinth meat markets, meat was often sold that had been offered as a sacrifice to different pagan gods of, of, of Corinth. And, the, and there was a, a fight in the church about whether you could eat that or not. And a bunch of the Christians in the church were saying, no, this is offered to another god. We can't eat it if we want to be good Christians. And now who of the, the like, the Corinthian culture Christians and the Jewish culture Christians, who do you think would have had the more superstitious response 
to eating the meat offered to idols in, in the city of Corinth? No, the Gentile Christians, because they grew up in the Gentile, in that world of those pagan gods. To, to them, those were, yeah, or, or were powerful, right? Yeah, and they were used to respecting them. And so in that, the, the scenario is actually flipped, where it's the Gentile Christians who need the Jewish Christians to, to let go of the thing that they're strapping to the gospel there. And so it's this reminder that we actually become the most gospel-focused, the most God-honoring church when we are diverse and when we are joining with brothers and sisters in Pakistan, when, when our church is not all white or all brown or all black, whatever it may be, when our churches are diverse and when we're connected with one another because we help each other see the cultural blindnesses we have. And the, it helps us see the things that we're adding to, to the gospel that make it hard. And it, now the tricky thing is, is that does get hard because I was reading, uh, Tim Keller was talking about this, this issue and he was talking about how he was talking with uh, a, a black friend and the black friend basically said to him like, you white people, it's like, you don't, you don't see that you have white culture. You just have, you just think you have culture. And, and we, we don't like to think that our culture is the best culture or, or, that, or that it is a culture. We just think it's the best thing and the right thing. We don't like to think that we're maybe off base on some stuff and that maybe our brothers and sisters in Pakistan can help us to focus on what's really important by letting go of some of the stuff that we've brought to our faith from, from our culture. And maybe the fact that we can help you see some of the things that maybe from your culture in Pakistan that, that have been brought to the gospel. So we need each other. And so I'm, I'm really excited. I don't know what it means for you guys as, as Pakistani Christians and West End Winnipeg Canadian Christians to explore that more fully. But I think this is a very beautiful thing that new life has. And I want to, I want to be like Paul and say, you guys are doing something really right here because the gospel is for everyone and we need to live it out and we live it out best when we live it out with other Christians who can help us be sharper and help us figure it out and help us let go of the things that we don't need to be holding on to. And so my encouragement for you this week is maybe read, maybe read Acts as well because it goes really well with all of this stuff. Uh, but also ask yourself those questions of what is some stuff from this book that you've spent so many weeks studying, what are some of the things from this book that you're not putting into practice in your life right now that maybe you should be? And what are some ways that you can help each other better stay on, on gospel? And so I want to open it up to discussion. If anyone has anything that, that's on their minds, we'll try and be brief. It's been a, it's been a Sunday of not brief. 
but we'll try and be brief. But yeah, if there's anything that you as a church can say to each other and to me in this moment of helping each other focus. Yeah, yeah. In order for that to happen, you got to spend time together. Mm -hmm. And you have to be honest because that's essentially you have to enter into conflict in order to gain the benefit. So I, I mean, <clears throat> I think there's some times where I've done a good job of that. And there's some times um, where I haven't done a good job of that. I recall um, uh, a previous uh, person who used to come to our church. And I, I recall this person getting a little bit upset after one Sunday gathering and and um, I was uh, involved and and I'm very thankful for my response at the time because I said, please keep talking, please keep talking. Hmm. And so if we, when we enter into conflict with each other, because that's how we grow, that's how we learn from each other, please keep talking and then learn to listen to each other because um, that's, that's when there's an opportunity um, for for people to share what they're really thinking and so if we can create a space that's safe um, for us to talk about what we're really thinking mm -hmm. and so that's part of the requirement of of being church together that's that's part of the way that that this works so I guess the thing uh, that I don't look at the maps in the back of Bibles very often which is to my detriment because I realized this morning, um, uh, so my Bible app had this like uh, a feature that is like, here's the population of each of these places at these particular times. So I realized that, uh, so Bethlehem, when Jesus was born, was the size of Bozicher. Jerusalem was the size of uh, Steinbeck. Rome was the size of Ottawa. So they're writing about a person from a tiny rural community from a different tiny rural community to the capital of the known world at that point. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's one of those, how the fact that they even knew about any of these people and wanted to listen to them is remarkable. And just a sign that how much God's hands were in this because this shouldn't have been possible. So I like the maps. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Father, I thank you for this church. And I say the, this church, both in Pakistan and in Canada and how they are connected. And I thank you that you give us not only the teachings of Paul, but a glimpse of how he lived out what he taught. And as he taught us to live with one another and to love one another and encourage and support one another, and as he taught us of the power of being connected as believers and how we sharpen each other and help each other to know your gospel more fully. I pray that you would help us to better support each other and better encourage each other, and that you'd give us the boldness to put into action 
the things that we are taught and to put into practice the ways that you guide us to practice in Scripture. And so, God, we ask that, or we, I pray now the blessings that may the God of peace be with New Life and our brothers and sisters in Pakistan. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. New Life Ministries is located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. You are invited to join our service in person or over Zoom. Please use the contact us link to send an email to the church office and request the address or Zoom link. If you would like to use these podcasts as part of your home church or local church gathering, you are free to do so. We do request that you let us know. If there is any other way that we can help you in your ministry, please send us an email.